Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. So glad you're worshiping with us here at Kentucky Trail. Whether you're at church online or right here with us, we just want to invite you to get on your feet, put your hands together, and sing along.
love worshiping with you all this morning, and we're going to continue to sing to him today.
As we continue in worship this morning, we're going to sing a song called The Blessing. And our prayer for you really is that you just receive the blessing that God has for you over your life, over your families, your marriage, your relationships. Just that you can open your heart and allow God to really infiltrate it this morning and let this blessing kind of wash over you today as we sing.
Christ. Let's give it a big for God this morning. God, we rejoice today because you are for us. And my prayer, God, is that we leave here today, we go out in our community, and that is the message that we give a lost and dying world this week, that we tell everyone we know, he is for you. We tell them with our voices, we tell them with our actions, and we tell them with our lives, God. And I just pray, Lord, we do not deserve your blessing. We don't deserve your favor. But God, you give it to us anyway, because that's how much you love us, God. And I just pray for everyone in this room and online, God, that you will just bestow your blessings on us and not just us, God, but our children, but our families. Bless marriages in this room today, God. Bring healing where healing is needed. And just may it not just last today, but for generations and generations, God. I pray that you start someone's story, someone's journey here new today, God. And I just lift this all up and everyone in the room and online together as one, we say in Jesus' name, amen. Man, Real Life Church, how you doing today? Man, it is an honor to be here with you, to worship with you. It's going to be an awesome morning today. Before we go any further, though, let's give it up big for Real Life Church Online. What's up, Real Life Church Online? Man, I don't know about you. I was blown away last week to hear that Real Life Church Online doesn't just reach counties, but reaches countries. Man, isn't that incredible? So wherever you are, welcome. You are such a huge part of what we do at Real Life Church. We're honored to have you. Throw up those likes and hearts. Interact in the comment sections. And hey, everyone in the room, let's go ahead and have a seat. Let's keep the, keep the morning rolling. If you are brand new today and you're online, I want you to click that link that you'll be seeing right there. We want to hear from you and interact with you this week. But if you're brand new in the room today, thanks for coming out. We are just honored to have you as our guest. And I want to invite you, if you've never done this before, to get your phone out right now while I'm talking. I won't be offended and neither will anybody else when you text RL New to 97,000. We just want to interact with you this week. We want to talk to you. We want to see how we could be praying for you and answer any questions you might have about Real Life Church. The thing that would make us more bummed than anything would be for you to just walk out those doors without giving us a chance to say hi, hello, and meet you where you are. We're just so pumped you're here today. And if you're brand new in the room, don't leave without stopping by our new here booth. We have a small gift for you, just our way again of saying thanks for being here at Real Life Church today. Well, Real Life Church is a church on a mission, and that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And another way we like to say that, maybe a little shorter way, we are a church for the unchurched. And that means that wherever you are in your walk with God, and I mean wherever, you might not have a walk with God. You might not know what the Bible has to say about the love that God has for you, his son Jesus, the plans and purpose he has for your life. And that's okay. We're here to walk with you. We just It would be our honor to share that good news with you today. And you're going to hear some amazing news today through our message. 
but hey, maybe you're just looking. Maybe you have that relationship and you just haven't found that church home to get planted in. I just want to invite you. Now I'm going to personally invite you to get planted, get connected, put some roots down at Real Life Church. We would love for you to be on mission with us because like I said, it's not just about Cass County. It's not about counties. We're reaching countries with God's love and it won't be the same without you. Man, we've got an awesome message today. I don't know if you could tell, I'm a little pumped for this. I'm pumped that you're getting to hear this brand new series. Who's excited for some new words today? A new message, man. Sean's fired up. It's going to be so good. Uh, today's all about being infected. Now, don't, don't leave. Don't run for the doors, okay? It's not that kind of infected, all right? We're talking today about, you know, what is Christians, what makes us different from the world? right? What makes us different? What, what are the fundamentals that we have that they don't? And if, if Christianity, if walking with Jesus is all it's cracked up to be, well, then how do we really show that in our day-to-day -day lives? Well, Pastor Sean is going to bring us a good word. I'm going to invite you to lean in as he brings us some good news that's worth spreading. I know you're going to make a feel welcome. Give it up for Sean Petrie. Come on. Come on, real life. He's got a word. I feel like I'm a boxer getting an arena and Drew's the announcements. Weighing in at 202. Wearing his Apollo shorts. All right, I'll stop. But thanks for being in the house today, guys. Man, seriously. Uh, man, I saw some visitors out here. Can you give up for all the people who are new today? Come on, let them know you love them. Come on. So last week was our fourth birthday. And uh, this week, I mean, just celebrating last Sunday was incredible. And just thinking back, all that God did has just been really cool. And the stories, and our staff got to meet up and just share the stories. And, man, everybody has a very significant story that's been a part of our church and the staff. So just remember, I want to just give some honor today. Just start out with a few teams that don't get honored that much behind the scenes. Uh, one is our events team. They came out last Saturday, and they set up, I don't know how many hours, all the balloons you saw out there. Uh, blowing up all those balloons. We're still picking up confetti, by the way. If you see some confetti on the ground, you can, okay, I'm just kidding. Um, but can you give it for our events team? Let them know you love them. Put all the hard work in, getting everything figured out. And then behind the scenes operations, uh, they set up mats all the way to the bathrooms and put on gaff tape. I know some of you guys I see in the room came out and uh, you guys killed it. You killed it. 650 gallons of boiling hot water. Come on, somebody. If you saw the kids get in, it was like, you know, I told them, I was like, it's better than being cold. They, did, they didn't think so, but they've never been in the 55-degree water. But, um, but anyway, guys, stay late, uh, everything. So can you go up for our baptism team as well? Come on. They don't get a lot of love. I don't think I'm ever going to shout out to that team before, so I appreciate all the hard work. Well, today we jump into a brand new series called Infected. Um, pretty relevant for the time. It runs all the way through Halloween. I don't know. Halloween is on Sunday, so just watch out. I don't know what's going to happen on Affected Sunday. I mean, it's going to be zombies up in the house. You know how, there you go. Kids got it figured out. Um, but yeah, this, this word infected, especially in this time in the world, and probably more than any other time ever in history, the word affected elicits such an emotion, such a reminder of reality. Like you literally think about our season of life, there's three categories. There's infected, not infected, and exposed, come on somebody, and that's, that's like this, right? Like, what does this exposed look like? And so all of us can be categorized in one of those categories at any one point. 
or any time, any day can change. And so the reality for us is depending on which one we fall into, everything changes during the, that time period. I mean, when Diane was uh, getting ready uh, to go into labor, we're like just a few weeks out getting ready for Levi uh, to be born. You know, we were going to go to the hospital and uh, at, a, at the birth center at research, but it's a hospital. And their policy was if, if Diane had COVID, then I couldn't go in, you know. And we're like, well, listen, like, cool. Like, I'm not really down with this. Like, and so we ended up switching to a birth center, set a record, by the way, the latest transfer at 39, like, plus four days or something, the latest transfer to a birth center. And uh, Diane gave birth to Levi. I was there. Come on, somebody. Yeah. See my kid get born. And so, but you have to, ch- you, you, all these changes can happen at any moment. And I know you guys experienced that. That's the reality. Like, do I have COVID? Do they have COVID? Everybody's just wondering what's going on. And so I want to do is just kind of feel you guys out. Feel free to answer. Feel free not to answer. This may be true personal, I don't know, uh, but raise your hand uh, if you have been quarantined sometime during this COVID season last year and three quarter, whatever, put your hand up high if you've been quarantined. Come on. Yeah, you're like, you know what it's like to be locked at home. Come on. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, right? Um, especially you got four kids. Holly, come on, somebody. Um, she, she was like, give me all the work in the world. I'll get everything done. Ten minutes later, I'm not going to get anything done. <laughs> help, help. Um, yeah. All right. So raise your hand high. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. If you've had a COVID test during this season, just figure it out if you had a COVID test. Yeah, a lot of us, right? Whether it's going to the hospital, present for a doctor, go to school, whatever, right? Uh, I know I've had some COVID tests. Uh, my kids went back to school. Everybody got sick. I'm like, do I, I want to be a super spreader at real life, you know? So I'm like popping tests like crazy, and it's like, no, it's not COVID. Is it COVID? You know, these tests are real. Um, but depending on what you have, well, depending on your daily life, will could drastically change. And so a day what's on my heart is to tell you this, is that pre-Jesus and then being affected with the gospel, everything changes. Everything changes in your life when you are infected with the DNA of the gospel. Matter of fact, you can, it's like a dividing line in your life. Like, hey, I was pre-Christian. That was pre-Jesus. And everything changed for you. What I want to do is I want to walk through a story in the Bible about what this change looks like and how powerful it is in our lives. And then really give you guys some practical steps of how to live this out, how to live as a contagious Christian. So if you have your Bible, it's found in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. So this story is about a man named Saul. And so Saul in the Bible is the same person as Paul. So Saul and Paul, not confusing at all, right? So Saul's his Hebrew name. Paul is his Roman name. And he just starts using his own name in Acts 13, uh, Paulus, as he's going to Rome. And so it changes up. So when you hear the story, don't be confused with the Old Testament Saul. Come on, somebody. Am I confusing anybody yet? There's a king. The first king was Saul. So it's a little confusing. But Saul and Paul in the New Testament, same person. Yeah, I know that. Acts 9, verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. If you don't think about Saul, Saul hated Christians. Saul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was touching the law blameless. I mean, he knew everything there is to know about the Bible and more, and he hated Christians. He did not believe Jesus was the Messiah, and so he was killing and murdering Christians. So as he went to the high priest, it's a leader of this religion, this Old Testament system, and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, and that's the word for Christians, the early church was called the way, the way of Jesus. Jesus called the way, the truth, and the life. He's going to the way. So, so he said, I want to get these letters so I can do what? Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He wanted to arrest the Christians and haul them off of Damascus to Jerusalem. Most likely they would be killed. And so everything's about to change for Saul. Verse 3, it says this, As he neared Damascus on his journey, he's about to show up and arrest some people, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. 
And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Verse 5, who are you? What's it say? Who are you? We've got to do better than that. Who are you? Hey, are you with me? you got to hang with me today. Who are you, Lord? Immediately, I mean, Saul recognizes this is supernatural. Whoever this is, is in absolute control. They are in charge. Who are you, Lord? And Saul asks this and says this, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, he replied. This is the moment that Saul pooped his pants. Come on, somebody. I mean, all of a sudden, he's like, that is not, that's the last person I want to hear from. Like, there's no way. So this is Jesus. Like, I'm in big trouble. It says, now get up into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Verse 7, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. I mean, their jaws are dropped. Here's Saul laying on the ground. His eyes are closed. You're going to see that here in a little bit. And he's saying, Lord, who are you? And you can tell he's probably pooping his pants. And it, they didn't make a sound. They didn't see anyone. And so Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And so he was blinded by Jesus. He put scales on his eyes he couldn't see. And so led by, they led Saul by the hand to Damascus. This is like going back to like being three years old. Led him to the hand. And it says, in Damascus, or sorry, for three days he was blind, did not eat or drink anything. Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is what? Help me out. He is, he's praying. This is the first time that Saul has ever prayed to Jesus. But he is praying in Jesus' name for the first time. And I love it that Jesus is hearing his prayers. He's praying right now, and and Saul is praying for three days straight. And there's a lot he's probably praying for in this moment. Verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias, which is you. Come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. So, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So Ananias uh, knew Saul's reputation. Saul had been a murderer. He kills Christians. Matter of fact, you go back to Acts chapter 7, just a few chapters ago, and Saul is literally holding all the, the cloaks, all the garments, as they throw stones and kill Stephen, one of the first martyrs in the Bible. And so here you have Saul being this murderer, and God is saying, yeah, go find this murderer and go talk to him and let him know that we're for him. Verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my what? What's he say? My chosen instrument. Man, I love that. Do you guys know that you're God's chosen instrument today? You know God saved you on purpose? Yeah, amen. You know, you know, you know God has given you a DNA of the gospel, that you're infected with something that's forever changed your life? As Paul is going to find out, we're going to see that Paul is highly contagious, amen? Paul is going to change the face of the world through his life, through Jesus, through sharing the good news of the gospel. He is infected with a new purpose, a new mission, a new DNA. There's a mark in time. All of a sudden, he was killing Christians, but now he's going to become a super spreader of the gospel. He says, to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I mean, very literally, he went to the kings of nations to proclaim the gospel. Matter of fact, he was in chains in Rome because he wanted to go to Caesar. He wanted to make his way to Spain. You find out at the end of Romans, he was on a journey to, to bring the gospel to Europe and to the leaders as high up as he could. He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Paul suffered. If you read the story of Acts, you'll see his suffering. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul. Whoa, who's Brother Saul? Me, the first time you were called brother, remember that? 
Brother Sean, remember that you become a Christian all with like a brother in the faith? And I mean, Saul's probably like, I, I guess I am. I'm, I'm Brother Saul, I guess. And the, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me that you may see again and be filled with what? What's he say? With the, with the Holy Spirit. I mean, who knows that everything changes in your life when the Holy Spirit shows up? I mean, look what happens to Saul. It says immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he could see again. I mean, Saul was blind, but now can see. I feel like there's a song coming. I mean, he got up and was baptized. I mean, what a great picture of what it is to know Jesus and then get baptized. Last week, we baptized seven people. And uh, some people asking, like, well, what do you, how do you know what to do? Like, why we get baptized? It's like, here's a great story of another illustration in the Bible, why you get baptized. Because the Holy Spirit moves in your life. It's a picture of what Jesus did for you. And then you respond and say, God, I'm a Christian. He gets baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. I love this. I love that Saul's first move was just to be obedient to Jesus. Like he literally got baptized. We're talking getting to Damascus and then boom, eyes can see, dunked in water. Three days after becoming a Christian, he got baptized. Wouldn't it be a cool thing to do for you, right? I met Jesus and immediately like, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. He was surrendered. And so everything changed for you became a Jesus follower. I mean, do you remember what it's like before you met Jesus and not having like a lot of direction or hope or purpose? You guys remember that? Do you remember what it's like to like not have a best friend or like somebody who went before you or behind you? Like that your life was built on the sand and not really sure what to do, not having really a call on your life of where to go. Do you remember those days where it's like a lot of uncertainty? Maybe just me. I guess I'm preaching to myself today. Man, I'm old, I was old enough when I met Jesus that like I didn't know what my life was all about. And I met Jesus, all came together for me that I was dead in sin, I was helpless. In a million lifetimes, I could never do what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I was made alive to Jesus. I mean, I can sing the song because I once was blind, but now I can see. Like all of a sudden, I realize what this life is all about. And that spirit that filled Paul lives in me today as well, amen, and lives in you. I mean, all the time we put Paul and disciples, like everybody named the Bible except for Judas on a pedestal. Come on, somebody. Like, let's be like everybody. And like Paul is just like flesh and bones, but he had the spirit of God living in his life. He was purposed. He was given a mission. He was an instrument in the hand of a redeemer. And this is good news for us that we live on mission. I want you to see how Paul, his life was infected, but also how it was affected by the gospel, by the DNA of the gospel in his life. Verse 19 says this, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus and at, help me out, at what? At once, immediately, he got up and started preaching in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. So there's some debate if Paul like, spent three years in the wilderness or not between these verses. But the reality is he got up, was baptized, and said, I'm following Jesus immediately. And he started preaching the gospel. Like Jesus, Paul knew so much about Jesus, it was unreal. I mean, he had memorized the first five books in the Bible. He knew every law inside and out. And when it came together that Jesus was Lord, all of a sudden, he had good news worth spreading. Now, I love that Jesus took Paul and made him a super spreader of the gospel. I mean, that he was highly contagious with the good news. It says, all these who heard him were astonished and asked, is this the man that raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? And isn't this that murderer? And this guy that hates Christians? Isn't this, isn't this guy that's out to get us and arrest us? And he's come here to take us to prison from the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Man, I'd love to hear one of Paul's messages proving that Jesus was the Messiah. So this is what Jesus does. This is what our master does. 
This is how God works. He takes a killer of Christians and turns them into a super spreader of the gospel. Isn't that incredible? That he would take like the worst person that we'd consider on earth and turn him into the leader for the cause of Christ. It's something very special that God does. I mean, think about this. Paul would go on to author at least 13 of the 27 New Testament books, maybe 14 if you consider Hebrews. He wrote almost 30% of the New Testament. I just wonder today where God wants to bring you today. Like, sometimes we don't feel like we're qualified to even be on the dream team because we're not good enough. Can I tell you today you're qualified to serve God? Amen. You are qualified to give back. Well, I don't know all the answers. I don't have all together. I don't know. That's okay. Jesus takes some murderers, amen. Maybe you're in that classification. I'm not saying, come on, we're not going to put you with the kids, amen. Not going to put you with the youth group. It's all good. It's all good. We're called to live on mission. No, God has put you here not to take up space. Do you know that? You're not called to come on Sunday and fill up a seat, but you're called to live on mission for Jesus every single day, that you're infected with the gospel, and it changes everything in your life. Verse 31 says this, and says, In the church throughout Judea, the smaller area, and then the church throughout Galilee, and the church throughout Samaria, it just gets larger and larger and larger, and joined a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. It is absolutely incredible what God did through the life of Paul, through the life for seeing the Holy Spirit, somebody living on mission. So the question today is real simple. How contagious are you? Now, we're not talking about COVID. Come on, somebody. Somebody's coughing next to you, right? But how contagious are you as a Christian? Like, would people rank you as contagious? How, I mean, are you living on mission? I love what Matthew 28 says this. It says, go and make disciples. Like, are you known for going? Are you known for making disciples? Are you like, man, I don't know what that even talking about. Well, we're going to talk about that day. Are, are you known for these things? Man, I love we're called to point people to Jesus in John 10, 10. Jesus says this, that Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus has given us, come to give us life and give it to us the fullest, the abundant life. You know, when you tell somebody about Jesus, you're not just saving them from the hell they're going to, but you're saving them from the hell they're going through. Do you know you guys know that? There's so much anxiety and depression and fear. There's, there's so many idols and things that just aren't real and so many things people struggle with in this world. And when you point people somebody to Jesus, all of a sudden, they have a new foundation. Everything's changing for them. And so we bring the gospel to people. Do you know what? You're on a rescue mission for the lost sons and daughters of the king. You know my favorite passage of scripture, favorite chapter in the Bible, Luke 15. You have these stories, these three stories of the lost sheep where Jesus leaves the 99 and goes to the one. What a great picture of what God is doing. He's on a rescue mission for you and for your friends and for people in your family and people you work with and you play with that aren't Christians, they don't know Jesus. You know the next parable, the parable of the, of the lost coin, where you lose a, a lot of money and, and, a, and this lady shakes out the couch. Come on, somebody, you've been there, right? I lost my wallet one time at Kings Island. I think Andrew was with me. It's one camp experience. And my wallet flew in my back pocket on whatever roller coaster. And I was like so close to jumping the fence because I had like $1,000 in the wallet because I was holding on some money for youth pastors. Now, I don't have any money today, so don't jump me. Come on, somebody. Nobody, nobody find me in the parking lot. <laughs> so I've been working out. I'm doing P90X. You have a run for your money today. You better bring, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Come on, somebody. Um, anyway, we're way off topic. But thir- <laughs> anyway, third parable. They talk about the story of the lost son, where, where Jesus, Lily, the father, is sitting in the house. He's staring out the window, waiting for his son to come home. This is what's on the heart of God is people, that God wants to see people. And uh, I was talking, think, talked to my daughter, Emery, and uh, she said, I said, 
Amory, you're a princess. And she said, no, Daddy, I'm a human. I'm a human. I'm like, no, no. I said, no, you're a princess. You know why? And she goes, no. I said, because you are the daughter of the king of kings. You're the daughter of Jesus, and he loves you. She goes, no, I'm human. <laughs> I was like, okay, she's three years old, right? But I get to plant the gospel in my kids. Now, this is something that didn't happen in my life growing up. But I get to raise a generation where I get to plant the seeds of the gospel, and they can follow and know Jesus. So my question for you is, how contagious are you today? So below each of your seats is this contagious test. There's a swab. And uh, I need you guys to, okay, I'm just kidding. Come on, somebody. Man, you guys are so serious. Man, why so serious? All right, there's no, there's no uh, contagious test, but I'm going to give you five questions, okay? And these five questions, um, there's not yes or no, but you're going to know if this question, if something that makes sense for you. So my goal is to see how many of you guys have five out of five. How many of you guys are super contagious, highly contagious today? Question one, do people know when you come over to put on a mask? Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not talking about a physical mask. But do they know when you come over, you're the Jesus guy. And they're just not going to cuss as much around you. Come on. They know that you're the guy that's going to pray for Thanksgiving. Come on, every pastor knows that. The pastor's here going pray for that now, y'all. Um, they, they, know, they know not to invite you to the same places they used to invite you to. Like you know, your friends, they have their own special things. They're like, oh, that's just Kevin. He's not going to do that. We're not going to invite Kevin to this night, you know. They, do, they, do they just put the mask on, right? They kind of pretend. If you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've, if you don't, you know the answer to this question, I guess. You know? So they, do they put a mask on and know you're showing up? Or are they surprised or would be surprised to find out you're a Christian? Would they be like, oh, really? Oh, man, I had no idea. Man, I can't believe I said that around the pastor. You know, I love not telling people I'm a pastor. When you introduce me to people, please don't introduce me as, hey, this is Pastor Sean. Just be like, hey, this is Sean. And then I get the real person. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? I don't get the church, I don't get the Christian person. I get, I get the real person, which I far more enjoy than, the, than the, the, the mask and the fake person. All right, two, are others around you strengthened in their walk with God, or there's really no chance of them getting sick? Are they strengthened? Have you built them up? Three, are you taking immediate, bold action to share Jesus or you're waiting for somebody else. You know, oftentimes as Christians, we wait for the professionals to show up. And the way the American church is really bent is that I'm the professional, I'm the practitioner, and then, and then you guys are the patients. We all show up to hear from the doctor. But that's not how the Christianity works. You guys are all practitioners, amen? You all carry the gospel. If you're waiting for me to go evangelize your family and friends and people down at your workplace, I'm never going to make it. Come on, somebody. There's not enough of me, and there's not enough of our staff. There's not enough of our leadership. God is calling you that have maybe been saved for one week. He's calling you to reach the gospel to people. Are you taking immediate action? Four, are other disciples, man, this is a bold question, are other disciples emerging around you to carry the mission forward? That is a million-dollar question. And if you're like me, it's like, hmm, that is a very interesting question. I've never really thought about that. Like, are there really disciples being built around me? And then it goes like, well, how, does, how do you make a disciple? How do you know if I have the measuring stick for this right? And so we're helping with that. But are there disciples emerging around you? Are there Jesus followers being built up to carry the mission forward? Five, are you willing to be persecuted for your faith? All right, so there's my five questions. It was a really easy test. 
Nobody had to get hurt. Um, did anybody get, it was like, I'm on fire for God. I mean, in season, out of season, you are zealous for God. You're insta-hot. You're not the person that puts the coffee on the stove, the water on the stove to make the coffee water hot. No, you just insta-hot water. Anybody five out of five today? Put your hand up high if you're five out of five. I feel like I'm an auctioneer. Five out of five, five out of five. Not a single person five out of five? Four and a half. Okay, who's too humble to say they're five? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody's out there, right? All right, well, my message is relevant today. Come on, somebody. If you don't get something out of this, it's your own fault. I'm just telling you. It's a relevant message. Here's the reality. Here, here is the reality. Can you imagine living in this COVID season without knowing Jesus? I mean, can, can you really imagine what it's like not to have hope? Like, it's like every week I'm in another huddle, another meeting, and somebody's Good friend, somebody's family member has either been really affected by COVID or has passed away from COVID. And more and more and more, it becomes a reality for all of us. But how, how, what, do you, what would go through your mind and with your heart? And what, what would you be so concerned about? And like all of the, 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 the chaos with jobs and the future of things, it's like always being shuffled around. Like Diane, she was working in the ER during the middle of COVID and she was switching to, um, to the infectious disease. And so she resigned from the ER. That job was now given away, and their FTE was now gone. And then they put a freeze on the hospital. They couldn't hire anybody. So she was in limbo for months in the middle of COVID if she was going to have a job anymore. And what would you do in the middle of that? I'm like, I'm going to be homeless. Come on, somebody. Like, how? what is God doing? I mean, it was back and forth. Like, we're in, we're out. I mean, for like three or four months, we're like, we had no idea where Diane was working, if she was going to be working. I mean, and you, we kind of forget those seasons. But what would you do? without Jesus. Like Jesus is the rock. Like he's the foundation in this season. Can I tell you what COVID has really done? COVID has revealed what was built on the rock and what was built on the sand. Hashtag marriage. There's a lot of marriages that we found out in this season were really built on the sand. There's a lot of marriages that were like, man, it's, yeah, we're living that much about Jesus. Like I was committed to other things, but other things are gone. And I see it all the time as a Christian, as a pastor, as a leader. Marriages are suffering and so stressed because they're not built on Jesus. And we can help you with that. I love for you to help, for help you with that. But oftentimes we don't know to help you until it's fall apart. Our business leaders, I see this so much. I saw this man, super recently. Business leaders, man, they pivoted. Things are going well, but they've forgotten why they're doing it. And then more and more adversity comes in this season, and they've got to re ante up. And like, I don't know if I want to do this again. Like, I've already pivoted. When we started, when we shut down, which really shut down the church, but we pivoted, right? We were like online, and we came back in person. It was like relaunching to go online, and then like relaunching to go back in person. And the whole season, you're like, what's God gonna do? What's God gonna do? But if you got depressed or discouraged, you could quit in that season. And they're statistically saying that one in four pastors will quit in this COVID season. Isn't that crazy? One in four pastors, because they've forgotten why they do this. And I had to make a commitment that it wasn't about a large crowd. It wasn't about people coming on Sunday morning, that we are called to make disciples. And that the light of Jesus shines brightest in the darkness. Can you imagine this COVID season? What are you going to say about this one day? Like, you're going to tell your kids and your grandkids the story of COVID, because they're going to be like, who are those cardboard cutouts of the football game or the baseball game? Like, it makes no sense. Are we that silly? I mean, whatever, I'm past it, right? I thought one day I would get cardboard cutouts to fill in the seats at church. It'd be really fun. <laughs> they don't say amen as much, but it'd be fun, right? But it's crazy. I mean, just get to play with your kids. But I, I'm like, what are you going to tell your kids about this or your grandkids? And the thing I think we all should tell people is, like, you know what, COVID was a really dark season, 
But man, we were super spreaders of the gospel. Dude, we were so contagious. Like people were hurting and people don't have to do, but man, as Christians, as leaders, as a church, we rose up to the occasion. And God had called us to live on mission. And we saw one of the fruitful seasons ever in our church during the darkest days in our world, on our country. Amen? This is what God's calling us to do in this season. And I wish this season was over. Come on. It's been a year and three quarter or whatever it's been. I hope it's over, but it doesn't seem like it's over. It just keeps going. But people need Jesus. We're in a season where people are quitting on themselves. They're quitting on people around them. I mean, Drew shared a story of a, of a, of a young man, not even a man, a boy, 12, 11 years old, who committed suicide last week in Lee Summit School District. Is that right? It's crazy. What in the world? There's so much darkness, but people need Jesus. He's, he's texting you right now. I heard him. If you heard the text, it was there. But how contagious are you as a Christian? How contagious? I'm going to give you four ways to be contagious. I'm going to run through these. Four ways to be contagious. Very practical. One, be a man or woman marked by prayer. Mark your life by prayer. Do you know your Christian life most likely start with a prayer? You confessed to Jesus. You need, you start, your Christian life started with you talking to Jesus. And maybe over the next week or month or year, whatever that season, that like passion like fell off and you don't know what to do. And so how often are we marked by prayer? Like, would your friends, would your family, would your spouse be like, prayer warrior, that person prays. God is on them. His hand's all over him. I know that person talks to Jesus. How often do you talk to Jesus? You know what's incredible about this relationship with Jesus? I said Jesus is always willing, and Jesus is always listening. Matter of fact, you saw this earlier. We read the passage in Acts 9-11. It says, the Lord told Ananias, told him, Ananias, he said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is what? He is, he is praying. And I was thinking about what would Saul be praying for right now? Because I know what I'd be praying for. I mean, at this moment, he is blind. I mean, the first time in his life, he cannot see a single thing. And so Jesus is so intentional. I love it. He blinds him because he now has his full attention. He's going to make him contemplate what he's been doing. You know, it's like, hey, you're in timeout, Saul. You're in a spiritual timeout. Like this, this blindness is going to make you be introspective. But also what's amazing about this is that Saul would have known that the only person that can heal somebody who's blind is the Messiah. Paul would have known that. He was well studied in the Bible. He knew that somebody who healed blindness was a sign of the Messiah. And so all of a sudden Jesus is like, well, I'm going to teach you something, boy. So you're going to be blind. You've got a lot to think about. It's going to be on your mind and heart. You better start talking. And so Paul, he just immediately starts praying. I love that. Matter of fact, he says his eyes were closed when he hit the ground. And he didn't, couldn't open them again because God had made him blind. And so you got to imagine himself, I've got this all wrong. Like, I've been killing these people. Like, I thought I was dead right. And for some of us four Christians, we thought the same thing. Like, we thought we had our ladder on the right wall, but Paul finds out really in a crazy way that he has built his ladder on the wrong wall. He's been killing the wrong people, and he has sinned greatly against God. And I think the reason Paul was so passionate about the gospel, because he realized how great a sinner he was. Could you imagine being the person that was killing Christians and then hearing from God that you are on the wrong team and then going, what should I do with my life? I'm gonna do everything I can to do what is right. I'm such a great sinner. But you know when you realize you're a great sinner, you have an even greater savior, amen? 
like the only one greater than your sin is Jesus, your Savior. And there's something so powerful about this we often miss as Christians because often we like, like, ah, I'm not that bad. I'm a good person, you know. I, I, you hear this a lot. But the reality is Jesus did for you while on the cross what you could never do for yourself. You could never be good enough. You can never exchange what we are for the holiness of God. There's nothing you could do in a million, billion, trillion lifetimes. You could never do what Jesus did for you on three days on the cross. You could never do it. You know, you realize this as a Christian, the greater your debt, the greater the forgiveness, amen? And when Jesus forgives all your sin, you have one response, and that is to get on the ground and close your eyes and say, God, you can use my life. God, use me. God, I'm surrendered to you. What should I do? You have my full attention, Lord. You are in charge. And so are you a man or woman marked by prayer? You know, Gypsum Smith said this. He was a British evangelist. He said this about being contagious, about prayer. He said, if you want to start a revival, go home, get a piece of chalk, go into your closet, and draw a circle on the floor. Kneel down in the middle of the circle and ask God to start a revival inside the circle. And when he's answered your prayer, the revival has begun. Man, I love that. So often we're worried about everybody else is doing. And we're measuring our ability as Christians on the person next to us in the seat. Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? And as a leader, as a Christian, you can't control anybody else. Come on, somebody. I know. I see y'all on Facebook. I can't control what you guys are doing and what you're saying, how your marriages are going and all this other stuff. I can control the person in the circle. And so as a leader, I got to stay humble and I say, God, just use me. God, I know God, I'm going to do something in me just as much as you want to do something through me. As much as I want to make something happen, God, I want you to do something in my heart today. God, I want you to speak to me. Can you imagine how contagious we'd be as Christians if we all went home today and drew a circle? Come on, somebody. Can you imagine how contagious we'd be if you said, God, just use my life? God, be a person marked by prayer. Number two, not only be marked by prayer, but be real, be genuine. People can smell a fake, can't they? There's one thing you're asking if you're new today and you're visiting, you're like, is this real? Is, it, is this guy, uh, is he authentic? Does this is talk match his walk? Is, is, this, is this somebody worth following? Here's the, here's the goal. The closer that people get to you, the more godlier, godlier they know she'd be, the more real they know you are. They, the closer they get, they're like, oh, man, this guy's the real deal. you got to get alone with that leader. Like, the, he, is, he is through and through real. His, his words and his prayers and his actions, they all match what he preaches and what he says. Do you know your life and your attitude is your greatest apologetic? I mean, we're not called to be one way on Sunday and another way on Monday, right? Man, I love you guys' worship today. You guys like worshiping today? We have a phenomenal team. Come on, give it up for the worship team. They're killing it. You don't know the amount of obstacles Satan threw at them this morning, and they still kill it. You can't stop these guys. Incredible, incredible. But you guys worship today. You know what's cool about it? I was thinking I was out there during the first gathering. I was like, man, it's so cool that Jesus is in heaven, and he's listening to all the, all the worship of all the saints around the world today. Isn't that kind of cool? Like every time zone's kind of like kicking on. I don't know how it works, right? And Jesus is like hearing everybody. But it also thought about like, man, who's Jesus listening to on Monday? Who's Jesus listening to on Tuesday? Like how many of us are still worshiping even though it's not Sunday morning? And how many of us are still praying even though it's not because I'm a life group? Like Jesus wants to hear from us all the time. Sunday morning is an expression of the church. It is not the church. You are the church. We call this a gathering because we gather. This is not the church. We call this KT. We don't call this church. I don't say I'm going to church. I say I'm going to KT. We're going to do, I'm going to gather because the church is coming together as an assembly. I know it sounds silly, but words matter, right? Words matter. 
If I said a chant wrong for the Chiefs, you would correct me immediately. <laughs> I would tell you that. You would correct me. I'd say gathering. So we gather people. I don't understand why it's called a gathering. Because we're not the church. This building is not the church. This room is not the church. We can put the church anywhere. We put it in houses. We can put it in. You guys are the church. You make disciples anywhere. Matter of fact, it gets easier to make disciples the harder it gets for us to meet. It gets easier to make disciples because the world is willing to listen. But I'll tell you this. If you want to be real, want to be genuine, I'll just give you a little information. It's a lot easier to be humble than to be perfect. Amen? It's a lot easier to be humble. I'm just telling you, it really is. I mean, most people say, real hard to be humble. No, it's really easy to be humble than it is to be perfect. It's a lot easier to ask forgiveness than to never be wrong. Come on, somebody. It's a lot easier to say, I, I messed up, than to act like your poop don't stink. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Your spouse is looking at you right now. You know what I'm talking about. Some, your kids, you're doing anything, right? It's a lot easier to try and fail than to always be right. It's, it's a lot easier to say, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to go for it. We, we'd never go anywhere if we weren't willing to fail. Matter of fact, if it's worth doing, if it's worth doing well, it's worth failing at. Come on, somebody. And a lot of people really struggle with this, especially in leadership, because they're paralyzed by fear of failure. Like literally, like if I, if I step up and try so it doesn't go well, <gasps> I'm like, dude, if you don't step up and, it, and it, goes, it goes bad or good, what is gonna happen if we don't do this? Like we've got to move. Or the better word is, uh, hey, what's the best that can happen? Not what's the worst that can happen, but what's the best that can happen? I know a lot of people come on our team and they just don't feel like they're qualified enough and not feel like they're good enough and they feel like it's not gonna measure up. But I tell you what, I welcome failure. Come on, somebody. It's okay to lay an egg. Come on, somebody. It's okay to fail. It's okay not to be right. God help our children if we want them to be perfect. They need to look like me. They need nothing like perfect, right? My words. I can't, I can't even write or speak. I'm up here preaching. Here I am. But look, it's a lot easier to realize your weaknesses than trying to be strong in every area of your life. It's a lot easier to realize that you're not good at certain things. Matter of fact, you're not even gifted for certain things. Why are you doing that? Why are you still trying to be everybody to everybody? Like, just be you. And then build a team around your weaknesses. That's a leadership principle worth a million dollars. You can take it. You got a million dollars worth of value today. Come on, somebody. Tony Robbins. All right, I'm stopping. All right. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be qualified by a man-made degree. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have any of these things for God to use your life. You don't have to have an ordination counselor in front of you to be highly contagious as a Christian, you just have to be real. Amen? Can we be real today? Just come on to life group and be like, hey, guys, I had a really beep week. I know you guys are saying it anyway. You guys are doing it. You're always telling me that anyway. I mean, can you just be real and say it didn't go well? But then always ask this question, God, what are you saying to me? And just talk about what God's doing. Like this like, whole show thing is, is not for me, not for Jesus. All right? We are simply on a journey, humbly following God, so be real. Number three. This is so important. Spend time with Jesus. I mean, if you're going to be contagious, you better get around the person who infected you. If you're going to be contagious, you're going to spend some time with Jesus. Now, notice I didn't say read your Bible. I didn't give you like a list of things to do. I just said spend time with Jesus. I actually will tell you this. It's not how much you read the Bible. It's how much you let the Bible read you. It really is. It's about what you're getting out of it. God, what are you saying to me? In our generation, I feel like we've lost the ability to hear the voice of God. We're so busy. Everything's dinging. Everything's going on. I mean, I put my AirPods in, and like literally like every three seconds, bling, bling, bling. You, you can't focus for three minutes on anything. Everything's being, just being distracted constantly in this culture. I mean, for some of us, if God talked to us, we'd be like, Paul, who are you? 
That was his question. He didn't even recognize the voice of Jesus. And for some of us, or for all of us, we gotta get back to knowing what God's voice sounds like. God, what are you saying to me? God, what do you want me to do about this? I mean, it is not about how much Bible you consume, although you should know the Bible, amen? You should study the word of God. You should know the word of God, but not to know it, to know Jesus. And it should change your life. Now, some of you guys grew up in church where the, where the Bible was the fourth person of the Trinity, amen? Like you knew the Bible, but you didn't know Jesus. You got saved every Sunday. It was hell, fire, and brimstone. I'm just telling you, that's how it was. But the reality is we are studying the Bible so we know Jesus. We can hear his voice. So how contagious would you be if you were led by the voice of God and not by your own voice or the voice of others around you, but the voice of Jesus? I promise you, you'd be highly contagious as a Christian if you walked out here today and said, hey, you know, God told me to go sit over here at this restaurant. Or, hey, God, you know, God's really calling me to kind of make a shift in my, my time. I've been working 60, 80 hours a week. I'm pretty sure Jesus can do it in 40. Come on, somebody. I mean, Jesus did. Jesus rose up disciples in three years and died. He didn't do anything in ministry before he was 30 and died at 33. I mean, some of you guys are killing yourselves trying to make a difference when God just wants to use you the way he's called to use you. You don't get any brownie points because you're the master doer. I tell it to my staff all the time. You don't, you don't, you don't get to win because you did everything. Like you're called to make and grow leaders and disciples. Number four, I mean, if you'll be highly contagious, fall deeply in love with Jesus. And we forget this so often. There's a verse I want to share with you in Revelation 2. This is Jesus talking to the church of Ephesus. And this church was an awesome church. It was like the premier church to go to. They fought against all of these false doctrines. They rose up leaders. All these things happened. But Jesus says, I held this one thing against them. It says, verse four, he says, you have what? You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So the church of Ephesus was going through the motions of church. They were doing the things that Christians do. On the outside, they looked the part. But on the inside, their hearts were far from God. They had fallen out of love with Jesus. And doing church became their love and not Jesus. Reading the Bible became their love and not Jesus. Here's number one reason why I think more Christians aren't contagious. You guys admit today, you proved it, you guys all voted. I got a 4.5 was the highest number I got in this gathering. I got one person in the first gathering that was five out of five. The rest of you said, I need this message. I need to be contagious. I know I'm not contagious. Help me pastor be contagious. It was all those prayers you had. I heard them, they were there. I mean, seriously, they were there, right? Here's the reason we're not more contagious. And I think this is the biggest reason is that we're just too busy. We're just too busy for Jesus. We're so busy all the time. Too busy to pray, we're too busy to read, too busy to decide which thing to read. Don't worry about the right Bible or the right thing, just anything. We're too, too, too worried, we're too busy to call somebody back. I mean, too, too busy to get on the phone, too busy for interruptions, too, too busy to spend time with our kids and talk about God. I mean, too busy for church, people of God, I should say too busy maybe for life group, but just we're just really busy and doing a lot of stuff that's good, but maybe not best. I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. It's just maybe not best. Just busy. So do you remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? Do you remember that moment? I remember that moment when I was 15 years old. I remember when I first fell in love with Jesus. I remember going to my first youth camp. Come on, somebody. Where's my youth campers out there? God spoke through youth camp to him. Just a few of us. 
Okay, apparently we need to have adult camp. All right, adult camp, that's what happened today. But God started speaking. I remember the first time I fell in love with Jesus and I said, God, you had everything. I surrendered. It was like, take it. I don't have a lot. You probably don't want it, but you can have it. God, you can use my life. And I surrendered to God. I remember picking the Bible up. I started reading in Genesis. I started going right. Not a great idea if you're trying to study the Bible and you're starting out. You have no idea what this is talking about. I made the Tower of Babel. I was like, this is so confusing. And then a flood. I mean, by chapter 10, I was like lost. I mean, I couldn't even figure out what was going on. But God was speaking, amen. The Bible could have been in Latin or Greek and I got something out of it. Come on, somebody. You're just, you're just at that season of your life where like God's speaking to everything. You're just willing. You couldn't wait to go to church. Remember that? You couldn't wait to go to church. Do you remember when you couldn't wait to set up on Sunday? You guys remember that? You couldn't wait to put the pipe and drape. Woo, I remember the first Sunday, it was actually the one launch Sunday, the Sunday before, we had Adam Embry, uh, Brian Foster, um, family show up, Ramley, and Barry was out. It was the pre-launch day, but somebody got the dates confused in their minds to show up early. And it was so crazy because Barry's in the front and there's people started coming in. I'll never forget, he started yelling, there's real people! There's real people! I mean, he was so excited to open the doors for real people. I mean, it's like so crazy. And then like 200 steps later, there's still real people. We had a whole row of real people show up as visitors this morning. Literally, there was hands being raised to meet Jesus right there in the gathering. I mean, every single week, we have so many people who come through our doors, incredible team that gets to connect with them. But I'm telling you, man, this is why we do it. We maybe lost some passion. I mean, our church wasn't a, a chore. It wasn't a duty, it was a place to be, uh, it was a place to have joy and so passionate. I mean, your priority was super clear when you met Jesus, like, dude, I'm gonna live my life for God. You weren't, you weren't worried about mortgages and all this other stuff. You're like, okay, God, you got this. You sit on the throne. Man, this is what the Bible says about us, our love with Jesus. This is some of us today. Jesus gives this parable in Mark chapter four. He gives a parable of four soils. It says there's this hard soil where the seed hits and doesn't even get planted. Then there's the stony soil where it plants, but it doesn't really have a lot of roots, and so it dies when the sun comes up and withers away. They then get nutrients. And then there's the soil I'm going to talk about, the thorns. We're talking about the second. And then there's the good soil, soil that's full of nutrients you get planted into. And Jesus says about the thorns in verse 18. He says, still others like seed sown among the thorns. They hear the word of God. These are Christians. These are people who know Jesus. These are people who go to church. He says, but the worries of life, this is the stress of life. Where am I going to go to college? How much am I going to make? How am I going to afford that? Where am I going to live? What's going to happen? Uh, what do people think about me? Popularity, success, the seafulness of wealth, man, the shiny things, the illusion of satisfaction with stuff, the new things, the fun things, all the things we can accumulate, and desire for other things come in and they what? They choke the word, making it unfruitful. See, there's still Christians but it says they're unfruitful. That means the church is full of people who don't bear fruit, amen? It's saying there's people who show up and it's like, hey, they don't get it because they're so focused on everything else. And if we're not in love with Jesus, this is what happens. We become unfruitful. I was talking to a mentor of mine a few weeks ago. He said, Sean, the church, the American church, he says, really good at making mules. I was like, what is this guy talking about? He's like mules, they're sterile, they can't reproduce. The American church is really good at getting people to show up on a Sunday, but not reproduce themselves to anybody else. I mean, there's no part of the gospel in a mule. I mean, the gospel doesn't end with you, amen? Because you're highly contagious. The gospel wasn't given to you to stay. I mean, why in the world do you think you're still here? 
because God wants you to have an amazing life with full of money and drive a nice Ferrari and whatever else, or because people need Jesus. The only reason that we're even still on this side of eternity is because God has put you on a mission, amen? And today, God has asked you to be highly contagious. But so much stuff distracts us, all the fun stuff and the new stuff. Maybe Kurt Cobain got it right. Just entertain us, entertain us. Make our life full of these pleasures. And our priorities maybe shifted to just a few notches, a few degrees, and maybe the day you need to be more contagious. But to fall deeply in love with Jesus, we have to align our heart with the heart of God. And so I do want to ask you a question. I want you to really think about this, because this is a really interesting question. What do you anticipate Jesus asking you when you first get to heaven? Like, what do you think is on the heart of God? Like, what questions do you think Jesus wants to know from you when you get there? This is a really interesting question. I can tell you what he's not going to ask you. Not when you first walk in the door. This may be down the road. But he's not going to ask you, what was the score? Did the Chiefs win? Come on, somebody. I'm not saying, I'm not knocking going to Chiefs games and not being here today. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just sports is not the number one thing. How did she drive? Not going to ask that question. How did she drive? Man, I love my boats. Come on, somebody. Some of you guys love your cars. Some of you guys love your race cars. And Jesus is not going to ask you how it drove. Man, how was retirement? Did you collect any big conch shells? Probably not going to ask that question. He made the shells. He doesn't need you to collect the shells. Man, how did you get so much done? I didn't need you to work 80 hours a week. You could have done it in 40. Did you enjoy the granite countertops? Come on, somebody. And was that stainless steel appliances? That granite? Was it good? Man, here's a good one. How, how was the worship at your church? Everybody, everybody, it's too loud. Too loud. It's too loud. I got so much I want to say. Everybody's got an opinion about worship at church, right? Did you enjoy the preaching? There's no way Jesus is going to care about the preaching. He'd be like, you know what? Sean wasn't that good a preacher, but you could have been better if you would have answered it. I'm just kidding. But he could have. He's not going to care. Hey, did you rent our own? Did, did you rent our own? Not going to care. Uh, can, you, can I see your collection of trophies and awards? We work so hard for these things. And Jesus is like, yeah, well, I care about that, but that's not the main thing. Man, how was the water? Oh, man. This one gets me. I'm a diehard, like, get me on the water wakeboarder, like, whatever in water sports. And I literally, when I look at a beautiful water scene, it's just smooth. It doesn't matter what, how cold we're at. I think wakeboarding. 87 degrees, 70 degrees, 65 degrees, whatever, dude. Let's get in the water. Hey, did you have an iPhone 12? Come on, somebody. We all Jesus is an Android guy, after all. He's not. Now I know I'm lying. I'm not real anymore. Um, I mean, how'd you keep up with the housework? I mean, how, how was you, how'd you keep your house so in order? Because that's nobody here. Um, man, can you remind me how many followers and likes you had on Facebook? Can you make friends you had? Oh, here's a good one. Who'd you vote for? You think that Jesus is going to ask that question? Uh, as if he doesn't raise up leaders and he needs your vote. Were you vaccinated? Does it matter? What was your highest earned degree? I mean, Jesus used literally Greek word, stupid people for his disciples. You do not have to have that kind of education. Yes, if God calls you to, I agree with education. But what school district did you send your kids to? Man, we get so worried about that. Homeschool, this school, private school, this, that time. May I see your best selfie roll? Come on. Can I see all the cool things you did? These are all really good questions. These are all things we care about. 
These are things that we love, but this is not at the heart of Jesus, amen? At the heart of Jesus is something totally different. Now, does Jesus care about your selfies? Does Jesus want you to have an amazing life? Does Jesus want your cup to be full? Does Jesus want to be a part of all these things? Absolutely, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. But the main thing at the heart of God, here's the question I think Jesus may ask. What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with the gospel? What did you do with it? It's the greatest gift ever given. The Bible says every good and perfect gift come from above. And that Jesus is the gift of God, that not of works, that no man can boast. And that the name of Jesus, that you are cleansed and set free. There's no other name in heaven which you may be saved. It's all about Jesus. And so what did you do with Jesus? Matter of fact, Matthew 13 says this, 1344, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. Like it's, you just stumble upon this hidden treasure. It says when a man found it, he hid it again. All of a sudden he realized its value, so he hid it. And then with joy he went, with joy, I love this. He sold everything he had and bought the field. Isn't that incredible? Because he knew there was a priceless treasure in that field. And when you find Jesus, you realize there is no merit. You did not deserve finding Jesus. You weren't special and Jesus saved you. You just happened upon the gospel because some willing person decided to take the treasure they found and go, I've got some treasure you need to know about. His name is Jesus. Do you remember what it was like when you found Jesus, how excited you were when you found that treasure? I mean, you would literally want to share this with the world because it's good news worth spreading. And this is what the gospel says about our lives, that we, with joy, come on, somebody, sell everything for Jesus. I mean, for some of us, it's been a long time since we gave anything to somebody else. And he says, with joy, you just lay it down because what you picked up was priceless. In a million lifetimes, you could never do what you just found randomly, this hidden treasure in Jesus. Just an undeserving man saved by grace. Second question I think Jesus may ask is this. Who'd you bring with you? Who did you share the gospel with? Were you contagious with the good news of the gospel? Luke 14, 23 says, And the master told his servant, Go out in the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be what? What's it say? Maybe, maybe full. Dude, if you're KJV, let's go old school. He says, go out on the highway in the hedges. Come on. Go out on the sticks. Go out on the, the hedges, the roads. Go, go out on the roads. Go everywhere and compel them to come in. Get busy telling people about Jesus, that you're the light of the world. You're called to go and make disciples. Who did you bring with you? Man, what an incredible testimony to your life. I, I think one day when I'm in heaven, and like, you know, you seem like a, a slot machine, but ding whatever thing going up. I mean, I can't wait, like sitting there and like, I've been there for like 50 years and it's like, fling, oh, another one in the account. That was cool. Some person came to Jesus because I propagated the gospel and that person shared the gospel and this just kept going and going and I'm just getting more and more jewels in my crown. I'm cashing in now, baby. Diane told me she married a spiritual gold digger, not a gold digger on this side. Come on, somebody. We'll see if that, hopefully that works out right. All right, number three, last question. This is a gut check question. This is, this is a question that I, really just sticks out to me. Who were your disciples? I mean, everybody had disciples at the time of Jesus' day. Jesus was a rabbi and everybody wanted to be his disciple and he handpicked his disciples. And then Paul, he discipled other people like Timothy and Titus. And other people were discipled by Peter, like John Mark, Barnabas. All these people were brought up in the faith because somebody poured into them. And Jesus one day is gonna look at you and say, hey, Kevin, who are your disciples, bro? Who did you pour everything of that you knew about me into? 
Who did you take all of your life and give it to somebody else? Who did you leave behind to spread the gospel? That's what Jesus is going to ask you one day. He's going to wonder, what did you do with my son? Who did you bring with you and who were your disciples? Who are the three people you poured your life into? Who are the people you gave everything and poured yourself into so you could lead for the cause of Christ? Who was somebody that was a killer on this side of eternity and you created me a highly contagious Christian? Like who are the people like Saul that you went after and God used them to spread the gospel? Maybe today I think we're called to get back to the heart of God. Maybe consider our priorities or remind that we're put on a mission and that we're infected and it changes everything around us and that people simply need Jesus. So how do we do this? And this kind of leads into the end here. Revelation 2, it says, you've forsaken love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Just two things. It says, repent and do what you did at first. That word repentance, it just means change your mind. It doesn't mean you have this, maybe this moment where you've, you know, I'm coming off drugs and all these things are going crazy. No, it just means you're thinking differently. The question behind it really is, God, what are you asking me to do? God, what are you saying? Like, I've been approaching this wrong in this season. I've been thinking about it. I got on my head. God, what do you want me to do today? God, what do you want me to do? That's all repentance is. It's just changing your mind. And so we're constantly repenting. We're constantly thinking through, God, what are you asking me to do? God, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to do? And for some of you, God asked that question. You've asked that question a long time. And God is speaking today to change your mind. And he says, go and do what you did at first. Go back to when you were surrendered. Go back when you're passionate about Jesus. Do you know that the first six months of a Christian life is statistically, at least in American culture, the number one season of when we are fruitful with the gospel. We are the most contagious for six months. And then somehow, I guess we get spiritually vaccinated and that we no longer spread the gospel. It's the truth. It's statistically proven. Instead of like the opposite, you think like over time, I'll be more and more and more and more and more contagious. Today, I think God wants us to change that trend in, the, in our church in the world and with you. And so, you know what? I gotta be contagious today. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to be contagious. And I wanna pray for you. Father God, we come before you. I ask for those in the room that say, you know what? I need to be more contagious. Maybe I've put a little too much stock in the world, what other people think and there's things around me. I just forgotten to fall in love with you. And so God, help me to be a contagious Christian today. That today I'll be more passionate about you than any other day in my Christian life. I would walk out of this room on fire for you. No one have all the answers, but something changed today because I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to the Spirit of God. And I want to use my life in this dark season of COVID. I want to be the brightest light. I want my testimony to change. One day I look back at COVID and say, man, I shared the gospel so many times that season. It was such an open door. And so today, if you want to be more contagious, you know, God's put in my heart. And a moment of being real, of being honest, Without anybody looking around and just saying, you know what, that's me, Dad. I want to be more contagious. Put your hand up in the air today if that's you. Just put your hand up high. Come on, put those hands up. All of you should put the hands up. I saw your scores earlier. I want to be more contagious for you. Father, you see the hands, you know the hearts. God, stir in us a passion. God, just like you did in Saul. God, pull off some scales. God, change us. God, allow us to, be, to see our debt. God, see how great it is, but see how great the forgiveness is, God, that we surrender our lives to you. God, this church wouldn't be a church that exists on a Sunday, but we would be known more for our Monday through Saturday because we're those kind of church people because we're here to make disciples and make a difference. We're infected with the gospel. I'll pray for one more group of people, and that's those of you who say, you know what, I need Jesus today. I realize I can't do what Jesus did in my life. I cannot be good enough. I've tried. I've tried my own way. I need some hope. I need Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus, sinless son of God. He came 2,000 years ago and died on the cross for you. 
Paul says, if you confess your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, that you will be saved. And maybe today you're hearing me online in person and say, you know what, I need Jesus. And so if that's you today and you say, you know what, I need forgiveness, I need new life, I recognize that God is looking for me like the lost son, the lost sheep, and lost coin. Today I'm saying yes to Jesus without anybody looking around. You just raise your hand high, say, I need Jesus today. Come on, put those hands up if that's you in this place. I need Jesus. Come on, maybe online, you need Jesus. And if that's you, I wanna just lead you through a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's your heart towards God. Say this, Father God, thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for for giving your best to me. God, thank you for doing what I could never do on my own. Thank you for dying for me. God, thank you for those who invited me here today to hear the good news. God, thank you for those who are contagious because I would not have life today if it wasn't for somebody else who brought me the treasure of Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, get up for God today. Come on, let me love him. Come on. Hey, if that's you today, you made that decision for Jesus, whether you're with us in person or you're following online, I want you guys to know, man, that is not the end of something. It's not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of one. We want to walk that journey with you. We don't want you guys to do life alone. So if you made that decision for Jesus, I've got a couple great next steps for you today. The first one is this. Let us know about your decision by texting RLNEXT to 97000. What we'll do is we'll have a t- connection team member reach out to you over the phone. Their whole job is just to get you connected here in real life and help you connect with God, find your purpose and your passion. Man, they want to love on you. They want to resource you in any way they possibly can. Man, we would love to hear from you. The other, other great next step is if you're with us in person on, on your way out, grab a red bag. Inside there's a Bible. There's a link to some other great resources. Just another great next step to get started off on the right foot because, again, we want everything for you, and we want to just uh, we just want to just, uh, just be with you guys and just help you in any way that we can. So Pastor Sean talked about being contagious today, and I hope that challenged you guys in the way that it challenged me because I thought through my life about, you know, what can I do? what's my next step? And so I got a couple great next steps for you. So maybe you guys were challenged last week by seeing people make their next step of faith and being baptized. And you saw that and you're like, hey, that's, you know, that's me. That's, you know, but I'm too late. But that's me. That's something I need to do. I want you to know it's not too late to get baptized. We have one coming up and it seems like it's a little ways out, but Easter is not that far away. Get signed up today. Let us know what you're thinking. We'd love to get connected with you, get you off on the right path. We want to get you on that list, and we would love to see you baptized. Another great thing is this, and Pastor Sean talked about it, uh, reading, reading God's Word. And so many churches like, you know, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, and that's great. But when you read the Bible, can I tell you, man, just like Sean said, you get something back. God is really speaking into you. And for so many of us, we get so busy, we don't have time. We can not have time to read like we used to. Do something I do. Get on YouVersion. YouVersion is a great app. You can be on your way to work, be on your way to whatever. Turn it on, and you can just listen to it and just read and absorb what God has for you just on, a, on your way to work. Man, can I tell you, if you haven't done that, allow God to take that opportunity to change your life. Just by listening to just something, you know, out of the scriptures, God will reach in, and he'll give you something you didn't know was there. Last thing is this, is that... Another thing that the church has screwed up so bad is generosity and giving and giving back. And for me, maybe you're like me. For so many seasons of my life, I've thought more about what I'm going to eat tomorrow than how I'm going to invest in the kingdom. And so many people think when it comes to money, it's about shame and guilt, and I have to do this. But can I tell you, if you, if you trust God and, and you follow that step of faith, 
and you give back to him and generous and you feed the thing that feeds you, man, it is pouring back into your own life because you get to see the resources that God has given you affect and change other people's lives. So can I tell you that being, being regular and being faithful, and it's not even about the amount, it's just about the idea of being generous and giving back. When you do that, man, it will change your life today. When you invest in something, you have value in that and you know that you're giving back and you're going to see God do a great thing. So here at Real Life, you can do that three different ways. First one is by going online at reallifechurchkc.com. Click the giving tab. You could text any amount to 84321 or if you want to use cash or check, you could drop it in the giving box at the back of the room. Can I tell you that we are in the midst of having some awesome life groups right now. Hope you guys are joined in. We've also got a special event coming up. So check this video out. Diamond, thank you guys for coming. We've missed you. If you were here last Sunday, we've missed you. If you were not here last Sunday, we miss you. Church is not just a Sunday thing. It's all of us living on mission together. It's not too late. Find a life group that works for you. Go to reallifechurchkc.com, scroll down to life groups and browse. You can even filter the results based on availability, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, interests, stages of life. Select a life group and request to join. That's it, easy peasy. Our serve team is more than just volunteers. We are a people here on a mission to see people find their real life and purpose in Jesus. That's why we are called The Dream Team. We wanna help you win and be inspired on our dream team. So mark your calendars for October the 24th at 5 p.m. We are celebrating and encouraging those who serve on our dream team with our semi-annual Heart and Soul Night. This night of worship, celebration and inspiration will be awesome. So get registered today. Go to reallifechurchkc.com, scroll down to the red section and RSVP today. Well, that's it. This is Diamond Brown signing off. Hope to see you and a friend next week right here at Real Life Church. See you then. Team. I don't know if you ever had a chance to come out to Heart and Soul. Don't miss it. It is an awesome time to just hang out and just really, really throw a party. Hey, if you're not on the Dream Team yet, you're invited as well. So come check us out. Get our, Sign up for the RSVP. We would love to see you guys at Heart and Soul. Hey, if you need prayer for any reason, we will be up here. Man, we would love for you to come up and share with us anything that you need to pray about. We would love to hang out with you and pray with you. Can't wait to see you guys again next, next week at 9, 30, and 11. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. We'll see you next week.